This is Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the pastor of Harvest Worship Center in Tryon, Georgia. We'd like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. Every week, we try to broadcast our Sunday morning celebration that begins at 1030. This is the celebration of who Jesus is in our lives. We hope and pray that you will enjoy this message and that God will draw you closer to Him through it. God is so good. Amen? Been good to you? Amen. Then share it with somebody. Let them know it. That God is still good. Turn with me to Galatians, the fourth cha- or fifth chapter. We're going to share a few verses of Scripture, and then we're going to kind of dive right into what we want to talk about, Galatians 5. Uh, Galatians 5 says, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Paul is addressing the Galatian church who had been bombarded with the religious mindset that in order to serve Christ, they had to first become a good Jew. And and, and Paul is correcting this by saying, look, you don't need to become a Jew in order to serve Christ because what you're doing is you're putting a yoke of bondage. This would later drive the church into a uh, decision known as the Jerusalem Council where they would meet as church elders and they would decide whether this should take place or not. And it would come out of that council to say to all the church that it is not necessary to put an uh, put a unnecessary yoke of bondage upon uh, people. Um, I, I want to kind of build on that today as a religious mindset. God is wanting to get us free, amen, of that religious mindset of... Uh, I go to church so I'm okay, or I, I, I read my Bible and I'm okay, or at least I get my daily Bible verse update on the phone, and it, you know I may not read it, but I get it, so I'm okay. Um, you know, I, People justify different ways of being okay with God. There's only one way to be okay with God, and that's to walk in a relationship with Him. And relationships are messy. Can all the married couples say amen? Wow, you did. Okay, so anyway, they can be messy. Relationships can be difficult. They can be things that are tricky sometimes, and even not just marriage relationships, relationships with people and friends and family. It can be sticky. We're moving into the holiday season. Some of us are real excited. Um, my girls started trying to sing Christmas songs in the car last night. No, 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 we're not ready for that. Let's get, you know, I like some bird first. Let's serve the bird holiday and then, you know, and then we'll, we'll get to that. And so, so, but they're already, you know, they're getting in that mood and that spirit. But, but how many of you, uh, even though you get excited sometimes around the holiday, there's a, a, a dread that comes over you because you're like, oh, but we have to see so-and-so. Oh, don't even act self-righteous. We'll talk about uh, lying families, um, you know, everybody's got those people that are difficult to deal with in their family sometimes and it's just they're taxing on you and and holidays can be a difficult time but guess what life in general can be difficult relationships at work relationships at school relationships with with those around us um you know if you think that you're the first one to ever have people problems you just need to read through the old testament because there was men and women in in the bible there that they man they had some serious people problems moses being the the leader that he was had a lot of people 
problems, and that's a message for another day. But we all go through difficult things where if we're not careful, the flesh will try to rule our mindset during the week or during the day, and, and the flesh is a powerful thing. The flesh wants to be gratified. The flesh wants to be come about noon. Um, it depends on if some of you are breakfast skippers. If you skip breakfast, come about uh, probably right now, you're beginning to think, hmm, be good to have me uh, something to eat. And so the flesh wants gratification. Um, how many has ever woke up and, and, and just thought you were about to starve to death, okay? And you, and you gorged the day before <laughs> or the night before, and you're thinking, well, I shouldn't be hungry, but, you know, you're, you're hungry. The flesh is a powerful thing. Um, the flesh can uh, get you in a lot of trouble. Anybody bear witness to that? The flesh can make you pursue things you, won't, you shouldn't pursue or go after things you shouldn't go after. Um, and I'm not just talking about the opposite sex. If you think I'm going there, that can be a thing. But I, I, how many has ever bought something they knew they shouldn't have bought and they get home and they're thinking it's really nice, but oh my goodness, what did I just do? And especially if you go to those, you know, clearance racks where it says non-returnable. You know, you, you're stuck with it and you don't, the flesh can be a powerful thing in our lives. And if we are not prepared to allow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come into our mindset, listen, God does not want to just be the God that you worship on Sundays. God wants to be the God that you worship all day long, every day of the week. He wants to be involved in your life. Um, I did not have kids then say, hey, you're on your own. Good luck. I want to be involved in their lives. Any parents in this room, I want to, I don't want to be a stranger to my children. Guess what? God is our father and he doesn't want to be a stranger to his children. But one of the most alienating, alienating things that's ever come upon mankind is religion. Is this, if I mark off the list, I'm good. And God is saying, throw away the list and start to love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and you will walk in a relationship with me. Well, well how will I know what's right and wrong? I got news for you. He gives us his word to know what's right and wrong, and he will guide and lead you. How many of you have the entire Bible memorized? I don't. I don't. I don't have the entire Bible. So how many of you? I share this on Wednesday nights in my class. A lot of times people will call me and they'll say, hey, pastor, I was thinking about this scripture, such and such. It says somewhere, where's that found? And in about two seconds, I said, it's found. Man, I wish I knew the Bible like you. I said, well, it's really easy. It's called Google. It's called Google. Google it. I'm serious. I'm I'm not that sharp. I'm not that sharp. I, I mean, I know some. I know a lot about the Bible because that's what I do. But guess what? There's. It's a big book. I don't have it all memorized. Amen. Look, there's there's things in the Bible that you violate every day, and I violate every day, and I don't even realize it. So we have the word. The Bible says, "For it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." Not necessarily a floodlight, but it is a lamp. Anybody ever been camping? Anybody ever been out in the woods at night? Anybody been, I'm talking about woods, dark, dark, dark woods, where a flashlight lights a step at a time or a lamp. It's so dark that you, you know, anybody ever been given a lantern and, and, and said, you know, uh, you know, anybody been camping have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Oh, come on, we're real at harvest. You know, it's, it happens. You have to go, okay? And, and you, get, you walk outside your tent, and it's really dark, and you decide, I can hold it. 
Or you want somebody at least walk part of the way with you and it's like, fine, if I don't come back, send help. I know it's only 10 feet, but it's really dark over there. I'm not afraid of the dark. I've seen some grown men afraid of the dark. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, (laughs) I don't even know what happened there, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Y'all aren't helping me. But we need to understand for the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I think, I think some of us need to understand that it's not a floodlight. God, God doesn't give us the next 20 years in detail. How many ever wanted God to give them some details about the future? God just you know, cast a big old light on it and let me see ahead what, what is in front of me. And God says, no, but I will give you a lantern. I'll give you a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And, and guess what? The one thing about this lamp and this light is it lights one step at a time. And if I take that step, it lights the next step. And if I take that step, it lights the next step. But until I begin to walk by faith and not by sight, and I begin to realize he's, he's got a reason for that, because if he lit up the next 20 years in your life, you might faint with a heart attack on the moment because you don't realize what it holds. But God says, I hold it. Don't worry about it. You just take one step at a time and trust in the word that I put in front of you and the word that I put before you and it won't lead you into a hole. You won't stumble in the dark if you continue to take a step at a time for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's free this morning. So you need to praise God for that in your life that God has given you his word to direct your path to direct your steps. And I'm going to say another thing to us this morning. Uh, I don't get excited, you know, I, I don't get excited when, uh, when it talks about walking in the Spirit. I don't get really excited about that. I don't tune into the Olympics and, 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 you know, how many of you have been sitting at your house and you're watching a show and a commercial for the, you know, the Olympics comes on and says to, you know, uh, tomorrow night at eight o'clock, the stadium will be packed because it's the most thrilling event of the Olympics. Tomorrow night, the people have been waiting for, for years to see this event. They have been, they're packing out the arena. They are so excited. Tickets have sold for, sold for a thousand dollars plus in the cheap seats. It is the walking. Nobody wants to go into an arena and watch people walk around a track. You do it every day. I do it every day. How many of you walk around every day and go, oh, this is so awesome. I, I just can't believe this walking is so thrilling and exciting. No, unless you can't do it, amen, you don't appreciate it as much. And I, you know, but when you, when you walk, you don't really think about it. You just do it. And guess what? That's what it means to have a relationship with God. I don't have to really think about it. I'm so in love with him, and he is so involved in my life. I just do this thing called loving God. I don't have to put the effort there because I know it's there, and he loves me, and I'm walking in the way that he set me for me and I'm here to tell you the word backs that up by saying this is the way walk you there in it walk after me and I'm here to tell you if you'll begin to walk after God God will lead you into some exciting things and to exciting places and all of a sudden you will realize that he is greater than you ever thought I remember so many years ago God is just he still does this in my life he opens up opportunities for me that I would never dream that I would have Places I've been, places I get to speak, places I get to go. I get excited about that because, because I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm nobody. 
But God uses me. Aren't you thankful that God will use you no matter who you are, no matter where you come from? You don't have to have the right pedigree, the right background, or the right last name. God wants to use you. All it takes is someone who is pursuing after the heart of God, has a relationship with him, and you say, but you don't know what I have done. You just don't know what's on my resume, pastor. You don't know how wrecked I am. God can't use me. I'll just be happy to get there. Let me tell you about a man named David. David was a wreck. David was a man who not only committed adultery, but he also, uh, you know, we, we always think about the little boy David. David was a mess the older he got. David committed adultery. David tried to cover it up by having the man brought to the to, to home so he would be with his wife and they could cover it up that way. Instead, the man said, no, I can't do that while, while, while my troops are dying. So David, in desperation, sends the man to the front of the battle and he is murdered and he is killed by the hand of David. No, David didn't drive the sword through him, but he might as well have. And he was held accountable for that. But yet David knew what it meant to be in a relationship with God. You see, David was preaching about grace 2,000 years before grace ever arrived. He was teaching about forgiveness 2,000 years before real forgiveness arrived in Jesus. David falls on his knees and he begs God for mercy And Bible would later call David a man after God's own heart, not because his resume was so scattered and scarred, but because he was a man that knew in a relationship you're going to mess up. But if you've got a God like I've got, he'll forgive you. And look, the mark of a true Christian is not someone that stands up in front of you and says, I never blow it. You better run from people like that. The mark of a true Christian is when they stumble, they get back up, they dust their knees off, they ask for God's forgiveness, and they keep on walking. That's the mark of a true Christian. God, help us people thinking they have to walk in perfection. By the way, though, this is no excuse to just go do what I want to give in to the flesh. See, that's the extreme of it. Well, Boys will be boys. Girls will be girls. People will do what they do. It's the flesh. Pastor, you said so. That's right. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm here to tell you, the old man I once was has been put on the cross with Jesus. Now Jesus lives in me. That's the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is that my flesh doesn't have to dictate my future but that my flesh has been crucified with Christ. Amen? Now, there's a, there's a catch to that. We can, we can resurrect the old man at any moment and any time if we choose. We have a choice. Amen? If you don't believe there's a struggle with this, don't even read Romans 6, 7, and 8 because Paul bears his whole soul One of the greatest men that's ever walked with God, that's ever preached the gospel, talks about his whole battle with the flesh through Romans 6 and 7. And then in Romans 8, he writes those most powerful words, but now. Aren't you thankful for the little word, but? Oh, how many of you are thankful for that in your life? But now there is therefore no condemnation for those who walk in Christ Jesus. I'm walking in him. And now that old man I once was has been put away. And the new man is alive in Christ. I'm no longer who I was. The greatest testimony is those who will live that inside out gospel. 
But Paul is warning the Galatians saying, there's people trying to saddle you back into this check off the list gospel, this check off the list mentality in God. Christ didn't come to give you bondage, but he came to set you free. Not free to do what you want, but free to walk in the spirit. And I'm here to tell you, when you walk in the spirit, it's hard to be tempted when you're close to God. Amen? It really is. How many of you have ever been tempted? How many of you have ever been tempted while praising God? Praise the Lord. You know, God is good. It's hard to tempt me when I'm caught up in the middle of worshiping the Lord. Amen? I didn't say it was impossible. So it's hard. But when I've entertained the flesh all day, it's a lot easier to get to me. How about you? Amen? Amen. Let's go a little bit further. Verse 16 of chapter 5 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. How many of you want to do good? How many in the morning? Okay. How many of you woke up this morning saying, Hmm, today I hope I can do as much evil as possible. No. How many of you start out your day, okay? How many's ever been on a diet and you started out your day saying, okay, first thing, I'm going to eat good. I'm going to eat not like I want to, but I'm going to eat like I should, okay? You started out that way, okay? If you start out in the morning, okay, no lie, there was a, a guy that me and Tina knew, and he was a pretty healthy fella, not healthy in a good way, I'm talking healthy healthier than me, and I ran into him one day um, at where we were living at the time, and uh, I was going to Kmart doing a, buying something back when they had Kmarts, and there was a, a uh, it was at 9.30 in the morning, and uh, his van was parked outside in the parking lot, and so I got, got my stuff out of Kmart. He was still there, and he was sitting in it, and so I walked up, and I said, hey, dude, what you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm waiting for, uh, at 1030, they got the fresh Whoppers ready. <laughs> Let that sink in a little bit, okay? Not a good choice. The flesh was ruling. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the flesh we use that, but that's a good illustration of the flesh. The flesh is strong. Paul said the flesh opposes the things of the Spirit. Okay, uh, how many of you woke up this morning and jumped to your feet and shouted with a loud voice, Get up, it's church! Okay, if you did, good for you. One eye cracked open. Tina and me, we've got to get together on our alarm system. We've been married going on 23 years. I think I got that right, didn't I? Okay, I did. Hey! <laughs> 23 years in December. And uh, we still have not managed to work this alarm thing out right, okay? Because her alarm always goes off exactly two minutes before my alarm. Okay. And uh, so this morning, I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep a little bit later, and then I'll, I'll be up. And sure enough, uh, her alarm goes off at 6.57, and mine goes off at 7.00. Well, I was awake at 6.57, okay? Um, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I did not wake up shouting. 
Contrary to popular belief, I was not dressed for church. I was dressed for sleeping. Come on, folks. How many of you, the flesh this morning said, ah. the snooze was put there for what reason? So we could start our day procrastinating. <laughs> it's the truth. Today I will procrastinate. My first decision of the day is procrastination. Okay? Hey, I live there. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the flesh is a powerful thing we battle. The flesh will say, but you've been to church two Sundays in a row. And then the most powerful thing the flesh does is it begins to make us compare ourselves one with another. Well, at least I'm not doing what so-and-so is doing. Boy, if the pastor only knew what they were doing. You know what? I don't need to know God knows. And the fact is, instead of wanting God to catch them, why don't you pray for them? And why don't I pray for them? And why don't we just worry about us? I got myself. Listen, I'm just going to share something with you. I have my hands full with me. How about you? I have my hands so full with me. It's not funny. I'm, I'm trying to work, work out my salvation with the Lord. But guess what? Don't leave out the last part of that in fear and trembling. Because you're, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very delicate thing you're working with. Work it right. But I'm here to tell you, God is wanting to untame his spirit in your life. He's tired of us keeping him in this predictable place where we think he only has to do this and he's only going to do that. And God says, if you'll free me the way that I freed you, we'll walk in freedom together and you will see wonders and you will see amazement. I'm here to tell you, God is ready to set us free. God is ready to set our community free. God is ready to bring revival to this county and this community and beyond. But we've got to serve of God that is untamed in our life and let go to do what he wants to do. You think the I worry sometimes. I think of men like Stephen. Michael, he lost his life and we think he sat there and praised God while the stones caused huge hematomas all over his body as his body began to internally bleed as they were taking his life. But did Stephen stop there? Stephen looked. He could have thought in the flesh. He could have prayed a prayer of judgment. He could have prayed a prayer and said, God, send down your wrath upon them. And maybe God would have answered that prayer. But instead, Stephen looks up into the heavens and he says, I see one that looks like Jesus and he is standing at the right hand of the Father. Father, forgive them for they don't even understand what they're doing. I want you to imagine if you're taking this man's life how that prayer would affect you versus a prayer of God, get them. If you've just thrown the stones, you're walking away, scratching your head, wondering what has just taken place that we would try to silence the message of Jesus in this man by killing him and instead he turns his head towards heaven and begins to pray a prayer of forgiveness over me. I wonder how it affected a man who would later write a quarter of the New Testament by the name of the Apostle Paul. I wonder how it affected him because you know what? He was there. 
Paul wasn't there. Yes, he was. His name wasn't Paul yet because he had yet to meet Jesus on the road to Damascus. But, they, but the Bible says, and they laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. Saul stood there smiling. God, Saul stood, stood there in total improvement of it, in his religious mindset. Kill the voice of freedom. Silence the voice of freedom. That's not how you please God. You please God through rules and regulations and, and commitment and, and doing everything you can. And when that doesn't work, you make up for it by making oral laws and traditions, you see, because he would say later he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. But I always have wondered how that wrecked Paul. Was that not something that stuck in the heart and the mind of Paul? As he watched the life leave this man Stephen. And he thought he was doing what was right. See the flesh will convince you that you're doing what God wants you to do. And I wonder after years later Paul's head would be severed from his body. And he would open his eyes in glory. I kind of like to think the first one there that he saw was a man named Stephen. And Stephen wasn't sitting with arms folded in disgust saying, how could God save the one who approved my murder? But Stephen was standing there with a smile from ear to ear saying, welcome home, brother. Welcome home. How do I know that Stephen probably could do that? Because of the prayer Stephen prayed. Father, forgive them. You don't ask God to forgive people who are taking your life. And then when God does forgive them, get mad at God. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? We need to start seeing some people change that we never thought would change. Oh, God help me. I don't know how far I'll get. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? God needs to start saving some people that we have wrote off as unsavable, unreachable. And when he does begin to save these people, God give the church the grace to accept what God has done in their life because I'm telling you, it's going to be a struggle the more we grow and the more we see God do this thing. But we don't walk in the flesh. To walk in the Spirit means to continue to live life completely dependent upon the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do, our, 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 do fight our sinful nature along with the world's enticements and Satan's temptations, we stop letting them dominate us because we are dominated through our desire to love God. Maybe we can see it this way, that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives allows us to effect, effectively live our lives for God. By the way, Jesus said, I have to go away, and there's a reason I have to go away, because I'm going to send the comforter, some translations put it, and it's correct, but there's even a deeper translation of that. He says, I go away so I might send the helper. <laughs> Who needed help this morning? About three of us. Who needs help in their life? 
Come on, folks. Who needs, who needs divine intervention in their life this morning? Who needs God to do? How many of you are pressed against something that is so great and so big, flexing its muscles that you saying you can't get past it and you need something to step in on your behalf? I'm here to tell you, on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says it came into that room, it filled the house, and the helper came. You and I don't have to do this alone. Why do we try? We have the helper. Mm. Can I share a little of your story, Alex? You okay with that, brother? Alex left here a few months ago in chains. Physical chains and spiritual chains. Tell you how God works. It was so good. I ran a part back. I've been working on Tina's car. ran a part back to get the core charged back. And all of a sudden I hear, Pastorville. And when you hear Alex say your name and you turn around and you see this massive body, you're, you're scared for a moment. You know, you don't know what's coming. He runs up and he hugs me and, he went to Pilgrim Ministry a few months ago, and he said, I'm coming to church. He's, he's fixing to be back over there. He's relocating, and that's a good thing. But the smile on his face is more than just a fleshly smile. You see, it's the smile of somebody who's been set free. God didn't set you free, brother, to give occasion to the flesh. He set you free so others might be free. Amen. He knows that. We've had those conversations a long time ago. There's a purpose in his life. You going to pray for him, church? Isn't it good to have him home with us today? Come on, just let him know it this morning. But if God didn't die for Alex, he didn't die for any of us in this room. You hear me? But he didn't die so that we could give occasion to the flesh. He died so that we might be free because the the flesh is in opposition against the Spirit. The Spirit is with a capital S because it's the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He is the helper. He is the comforter. Let's finish with this today. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and we leave this out in some places, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to even the end of the age. The Holy Spirit's power allows us to effectively share our faith with others so that we can stand up and live a life change before a broken world. I'm here to tell you God is ready. This world is not going to be won through the pastors of this world or through the evangelists of this world or through the missionaries of this world. This world is going to be won with everyday people in everyday places and everyday jobs and everyday positions in life stand up with the fullness of the Spirit in their life and they say, by faith I have been chained and set free and this is why I have joy in my life. I'm here to tell you I've watched two people walk through similar circumstances in life. One with joy 
and peace and the other one falling apart. And I've watched the one falling apart turn to the one who has peace and say, my family's going through similar things. They're going through the same thing. How come you have joy when I don't have joy? How come you have peace when I don't have peace? I'll tell you why. Because the untamed power of the Holy Spirit has been set free in my life and I know that God holds it all together. This world needs that kind of testimony out of us. He's challenging us. We have been given an impossible task, and I'm going to close with this. You and I have been given an impossible task. Think about the disciples. Go to the whole world. Go to the whole world. Make disciples of all men. Anybody in their right mind would have looked forward and said, My wife that's lost. How can I reach my children? It seems like they've lost their minds. How, God, can I do this thing? It seems impossible for me to reach this friend. All they care about is party and all they care about is gratifying the flesh. How in the world can I reach them? Let's put the gospel down to where it counts. How can I make a disciple out of them? You fill in the blank. You're thinking of names right now. I'm going to tell you how. By divine enablement. By the Holy Spirit. He came so that we might be witnesses. Will you stand? What is a witness? Now, this applies even in modern court. If I walked in to testify against somebody and the attorney looks at me and says, well, you you tell us what you know. And I begin to say, well... Um, my good friend Eric Brock told me that his best friend's cousin roommate said the guy was guilty. What are they going to do? They're going to say, that's hearsay. Throw it out. He's not a witness. He's not an eyewitness. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's not a good witness. But if I'm able to stand up and say, I witnessed this go on. I saw this go on. I, I know it happened. And this is where it happened, when it happened, and how it happened then I am a credible witness. Amen? There's a lot of us trying to tell people how to follow Jesus, but we've never really encountered Him. We've never really been changed by Him. And if we have, we've long forgotten the passion that we once had for Him. We've long forgotten the fervency to share His love with others. I wonder if you remember the day you were an eyewitness of his forgiveness. You remember the day you were saved? In 1976, as a nine-year-old boy, I knelt between my mom and dad in a conference of several thousand Scared to death to go to front. I wasn't going down there. There's too many people down there. But I knelt and I gave my heart to Jesus. I was saved. I was an eyewitness of his forgiveness. 
my life. Fast forward a few years to age 19 in college. Going through a lot of confusion, going through a lot of difficulty, all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came into my dorm room and said, you chose me as a child, I challenge you to choose me as a man. I was an eyewitness of his unending love, his forgiveness. If you are saved and you know it this morning, you are an eyewitness that what we're talking about is not some fairy tale dreamed up 2,000 years ago and preached by 12 guys and and a few fanatics. No, you're an eyewitness. So you see, I can say this. I'm thankful for the road to Damascus in Paul's life and I'm thankful for Paul or, or Peter being converted after he denied Jesus three times. I am thankful for all those who have been saved. I'm thankful for the salvation of many people. But I can also say this. Though I know that they testified that Jesus forgives that at an age of nine I looked and I knelt before a cross and it was real to me and I became an eyewitness of Jesus I became a witness of the love of God for a lost and broken world and how he put the pieces of a nine year old back together I wasn't no great sinner didn't matter I was still headed to hell But at age 19, I'm a witness that he still loved me. He still forgave me of my foolish ways and my foolishness. And at age 50, I can stand before you and say I'm still an eyewitness that even today his mercies are made new in my life. Are you a witness of him? Then how do we share our story? By the divine enablement of the helper. This world needs to hear what you have to say about Jesus. But the truth is, what kind of witness will you be? If you're a witness that lives and acts just like the world, and you say, but Jesus is good, and they why serve him then? What's the difference? This world needs to see a difference between us and it. I'm not talking about some fanatical craziness, folks. I'm talking about a real difference. I got a lot of sinner friends in this community, and I love it. Why? How are they going to know about Jesus if I don't live it out real before them? If I become so heavenly minded and all I can talk about is church stuff and can't relate to them. I got news for you. I will talk football with you all day long, sports with you all day long. I'll try to find a a way to relate to everybody God puts in my path. Because guess what? One day, somehow, my hope and my prayer is a real conversation will open up and we can begin to share about Him, about the Lord, and the Lord can make a difference in their life. But if I'm never open to being that witness, it'll never happen. While every head is bowed, every eye closed in this room. No looking around. Please, no looking around. Respect what God's doing. But if you're in this room today and you're saying, Pastor, I need to be a witness. 
I haven't been, but I need to be, and I'm ready to be. Now, let's just slip your hand up real quickly and put it right back down. I'm ready to be that witness God has called me to be. I'm ready for the world to see Jesus in my life. Lord, I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm ready for it. If that's you, slip your hand up and put it right back down. There's several in this room right now. God's just moving on your heart. He's moving on your heart. He's moving on your life to be that witness. If you're in this room this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to start because I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I, I need what you're talking about and, and, and I, I just feel lost. I feel like I'm wandering around in the dark. God's tired of you wandering around in the dark. He's ready to show you the light if you'll just lift your hand right now. Is that you? Lift your hand. Just say, be honest with God. God wants you to be honest with Him. I'm ready for that. Then I want you to find a place. Come on, find a place in this altar. Let Jesus do a work in your life. We're not done with this baptismal pool. God's still got some others need to get baptized, get on fire for Him. I'm, I'm telling you, God's doing a work. If you're ready for God to do more than what you've ever witnessed in your life, you're ready to see the religious part of you die and the relationship part of you begin with God. Realizing relationship can be messy at times as he works on me. Then I want you to slip your hand up while nobody's looking around. Just real quickly. Thank you. Thank you. There's some others. You're ready for it. Come on. You're ready for it. I'm telling you right now, this is the way we're going to handle this. If you want to come to this altar, this altar's open. If not, I just want you, if you would, to take the hand of somebody beside you to your right and to your left. And I want you to begin to pray for each other. Can you do that? That God, you just help them. Help them to be, Lord, what you want them to be. Help them to be the witness they're supposed to be. Come on, take their hand. Just take their hand and begin to pray for them all over this room. It's all right if you want to pray out loud this morning. It's all right if you want to, 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 to let be vocal about it. God, I'm ready to be what you want me to be. I'm ready to be a witness. Come on, just slip over. Take your body by the hand. Believe God together. Believe God together. Believe God together. Come on, pray for each other. I'm ready for it, God. I don't want to be bound to religion anymore, but I want to be set free by the power of your spirit to be a witness, to be an eyewitness that God still saves, God still heals, God still heals the body, the mind, the spirit. God is still on the throne and true and real. If that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to pray. Come on, pray, church. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. If you're holding the hands of your kids, you pray for your kids to be a better witness of Him. If you're holding the hand of your husband or your wife, pray for them to be a greater witness. Where has God positioned you in this life, in this world, to be a witness of His glory, a witness of His power? All over this room. All over this room. I believe God's doing something real. He's doing something real. God, help us today. Help us today. Help us today. Help us today to be eyewitnesses of your glory, eyewitnesses of your strength, and share it with this world around us in Jesus' name. On behalf of Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for listening and worshiping with us today. For more information, please visit our website at tryinhwc.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We would also like to invite you to come and experience the presence of the Lord with us in person. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. Our morning celebration and evening celebrations are every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night is Worship in the Word Night. We have classes for every age beginning at 7 p.m. We look forward to meeting you.